You're listening to the Girls in Work podcast, the show that brings you interviews and advice for career women everywhere. This is Girls in Work. Find us at girlsinwork.com. Hello and welcome back to season two of the Girls in Work podcast. Yep, you haven't got rid of us just yet. (laughs) And if you've just started listening to the Girls in Work podcast and you have no idea what's going on right now, we are Em and Soph, the team behind Girls in Work, an online network and resource to inspire women in the workplace. And we're kicking off the new year with a brand new season, which we are so excited about, aren't we, Soph? We are so excited. And you know what? We just can't get away from it. It's a bit like, you know, like when you're dating someone, you know, they're not very good for you, but the sex is just really good so you just can't stay away that's what we're like with this podcast (laughs) oh my god i mean we're in we're what 10 seconds into the second season and you've already made a comment like that and you know what it's not like we have any experience of that either with the the current lockdown situation in the uk we haven't even got close anyway i'm so joking ever the professional anyway uh what are we talking Mm. about today em i'm a bit thrown off now to be honest I've just set the tone, haven't I, for the whole of this season. Um, you have. But yes, welcome to season two of the Girls Work Podcast. Like Em said, we are so excited to be back. We genuinely just couldn't, we just couldn't, we just enjoyed doing these episodes so much. We enjoy talking to all of these incredible women and it just, it makes, it makes us feel inspired and motivated and we always joke that it, it, we do this more for us than we do for you, but we, we've got such good feedback from the first season. Um, you guys really enjoyed listening to the experiences of so many different women. We thought we'd just, why not continue? Mm-hmm. so we are back probably a little sooner than we thought but hey let's go we're enjoying it so thank you for listening thank you for joining us for season one mm-hmm. and we hope season two can live up to season one so if you're wondering what we've got in store for season two well we have some more incredible interviews with career women from different backgrounds and industries to empower you lovely listeners to achieve your career goals whatever they may be and our first guest we're kicking off the season with Kirsty, who is the purpose coach and also a PR consultant and we're we're going to be talking about all things motivation and setting goals as we head into the new year which I think is more important now than ever yeah definitely and I think now is such a good time and to just sit and reflect on those goals and take the time because let's be honest mm-hmm. we are in lockdown currently we're not doing much else <laughs> then if we just throw it back to season one for a minute what sticks with me what Laurie said in her episode about writing lists all the time of like what do you enjoy what do you not enjoy and using that kind of thing to help you set your goals and your intentions for the year ahead so this was such a lovely episode to record again mm-hmm. it was one we were recorded after work one evening and we were both tired and we all we always go into these episodes thinking <laughs> I'm tired and then we, we come out after an hour or so talking to our guests and we all, both always feel mm-hmm. really inspired and motivated so we hope that you guys will yeah. feel the same after listening to this episode as well yeah definitely and I recommend that you grab yourself a cup of tea and a pen and paper because you'll be taking so many notes from this episode um, there were so many practical tips and advice that we covered so yeah enjoy <laughs> So Kirsty, could you just give us a bit of an overview of your career so far and a little bit about what you do now? Of course. Uh, so let me just start by, I'll try and keep it succinct, but knowing me, I'll probably go on a tangent. Also, thank you for having me. So I think taking it like all the way back. So what was always ingrained in me from when I was younger, and I've spoken about this quite a lot, um, I think both from like my family, from the media, from kind of teachers, is that success and happiness was all around making money 
and what your job title was. And so that's what I always kind of had in my mind as I went through school. You know, I was sort of top of my class. I was, you know, I'm from a working class background. I was the first of my family to go to university. And, you know, for my parents, it was very much from them, you know, to for your happiness, it is about making money, getting a really good job, etc. So I remember being like choosing my degree. And I think someone had said to me, if you want to drive a sports car, do PR. And I loved English and stuff. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll do PR. It sounds like it's fun. Um, and, you know, I, and I went into PR and I've been, you know, I've worked in PR for over 11 years now. And I started at a really small agency in Birmingham because um, that was kind of close to where my family lived. I was writing about fire alarms. So I was like, if you can write about fire alarms in a press release, you can write about probably anything. So that was fun. And then uh, I actually moved to London kind of on a bit of a whim with my friend. I've got a job quite quickly. Um, worked at an agency uh, called Clarion. Then I'd always wanted to work for an agency called Shine, which is now Shine at the Academy. So again, in PR. And what was really exciting is that I went into the entertainment division. So I was doing film premieres. Uh, I was looking after WWE, as in the wrestlers, which is interesting. So I was there for a couple of years and that was very work hard, play hard. But I felt... I always felt quite anxious. It, was, it wasn't until I moved to London that I think my anxiety was really, really bad. And I wasn't, there was always something missing and I wasn't fully enjoying what I was doing. But I thought, you know, well, maybe it's because I haven't got the right amount of money yet or I haven't got that job title yet. So that kind of was in the back of my mind still. Um, and I actually went in-house at WWE for nine months, which was really interesting because I'm five foot one and quite petite. And I was looking after these massive wrestlers who were like three times my size um (laughs) and they're very sweet they're very very sweet guys very insecure very insecure um so you'd have to be giving them like little pep talks before they went out to do media stuff so that was interesting but then once I finished at WWE uh, I went back in house at Shine I kind of thought then I want to do something a bit different and I'd always wanted to work for um either Comet Relief or Children in Need um you know we grew up with Red Nose Day and um, obviously the Children in Need show and I saw a role at um Comet Relief for Sport Relief for a six-month contract and I got it and it was a brand new role and I remember like nearly shitting myself the first day when they told me what I needed to do and I was like oh my god I don't even know that I can do this um, and again I did I really had a lot of self-doubt all through my career and I ended up being at Comet Relief for four years so I ended up staying on permanently got a role and what I've noticed a lot is that I've I always thought oh god they'll never keep me or they're going to find me out at some point and that was something that came up in my job like when I was doing my reviews with my manager they'd always say she'd always, especially um, my manager at Comet Relief she'd always say you just you just don't believe in yourself enough and it's something I came up against time and time again and I think it will it it came from a few things that have been said to me kind of throughout my career. I had that kind of self-doubt that kind of hung over me and I think I probably would have got a bit further in my career a bit quicker had I had that self-belief. I'd look at other people and think, oh my god, they're so confident. Whereas I could go into a meeting and hold a room and lead campaigns and lead projects, but deep down there was something that I just, I wasn't confident enough with. And I actually got made redundant from Comet Relief after four years and it was actually the, the push that I needed. So I was like, okay, great. This is what I need. I'm going to go into a brand new, st- I went into this brand new startup um, agency I was director, I had the money, I was like, okay, this is where I'm earning, the, I'm earning the big bucks now. And I absolutely hated it. I absolutely hated it. It was awful for many reasons. But I actually, that was kind of the light bulb moment for me. It was actually, it's not about the money. It's not about the job title. For me, it's about kind of understanding what really matters to me. So I handed in my notice with nothing to go to. 
It was a two months notice period. And so that was a really, it was an interesting two months. But I, I really just having that, and I'm so, so glad it happened. And I'm so grateful that I was in a situation that I hated, but it really made me reassess everything. And I think you do get to a mm-hmm. point where you actually take a step back and you think what actually is really important to me and what matters to me. And that can help, you know, people can go through their career and really enjoy their job, but it could be something in a relationship or it could be, you know, kind of family. There's a moment that I think sometimes, you know, you have that light bulb moment and you realise that actually things, there's different things that matter to you. And so I'd always been someone that people came to for advice. And I noticed I did it like all throughout my career, all through with my friends. And that's when I ended up going down the route of coaching. So I paid for a coaching course. Luckily, I had a little bit of redundancy money. So while I was on that two month um, notice period, I just signed up to a course. I really, I think I started it like the next day. I had to book some emergency holiday. And then the first day I went into um, the classroom, as it started, I just literally like everything fell into place. Like honestly, when I think about it, it still makes me want to cry because I wanted to cry in the class because I thought this is it. Mm. This is this is exactly what I've wanted to do. I want to support people. I basically I want for me it's helping women who have felt like I have felt anxious, felt self doubt to to really kind of feel and get that true confidence and understand what really matters to them, so that they don't have to spend the years that I did feeling that way. And hopefully that helps in all areas of life, like career, relationships, and just having a um, a future that you feel really happy with and that you have more control over. So that's where I'm now the purpose coach. So that's all around helping women live confidently with purpose. But then I also still PR. So I mix my time, which I really enjoy doing. So, so I do a couple of different things, but I mainly work with charities around kind of comms consultancy. So I told you it wasn't going to be short. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I do at the moment. It's funny, isn't it? How it always takes like the shit stuff to make you realise actually mm-hmm. what you want. And I also find it interesting how I always think like even the people who look the most confident and you like you say, you, sometimes you see them in the office and you're like, God, like they really believe themselves. They really know that they know what they're doing. But like, sometimes it's those people that deep down are like they don't really believe themselves either it's all about like faking it isn't it yeah and I've and I used to do that quite a lot but I think I would always say look around in the office and no one really knows what they're doing no one a hundred percent no matter even if they're someone that you um admire Mm. respect or someone that actually is a bit scary in the office no one knows everything no one knows what they're doing and a lot of people are but it's having that kind of well you know I'll I'll learn on the job or um I'll learn from each I think it's for me it's about being really honest as well when you're in that situation um and it's something that I it's part of my PR I've worked at Macmillan Cancer Support and when I started there with the team I started up kind of talking about your mistakes or kind of your learnings and it was really Mm. to kind of embrace that open culture about talking about when you're not feeling like you're, you're smashing it when you might have made a bit of a mistake but actually the rest of the team can learn from that and I think that's a great thing to try and do in the workplace 100% because it makes it you don't have to, it shows everybody you yeah. don't have to have it all together and I think that's really important because I think quite a lot of us and for many yeah. years many of us have kind of striving for perfection and that really then puts a lot of pressure on us and that's what ends up making you feel a bit shit yeah definitely I remember when I started my first job I was like 18 like really green to the whole working thing and um, I remember sitting in the office and thinking, God, I can't wait for the day that I know what I'm doing. I'm still waiting for <laughs> <Yeah>. my day. <laughs> like, six <laughs> years later, I still don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's reassuring to hear that it does take time. And it's nice to kind of hear your full journey to where you got to the point where you're like, yeah, this is, this is where I'm happy now and this is where I want to be. Because I think a lot of us sort of feel pressure to, when we start out our careers, to know exactly what that is. But it's not possible until you go out there and try it. And now you're at a place where you're still doing a bit of the PR and the elements of that that you Mm -hmm. love, but then you've actually found what 
truly fulfills you and kind of get the most out of that for some people it is that they they go through their career and that is they're happy with that and Mm. that is that's an amazing thing but I would say you know especially at the start of your career it's okay to try a couple of different things as well because I think a lot of us are taught that it's a career ladder and he instead refers it to it as a career jungle gym but there you don't have to go and follow a set path that everybody else has yeah definitely okay so Kirsty what would you say has been a highlight of your career oh god so um, I knew you were going to ask me this and I really tried to narrow it down <laughs> and as you can tell I probably didn't narrow it down so we've got a couple so I'm going to cheat if that's okay of course <laughs> great okay so I'll give you a few random ones so when I was when I was at Shine uh, I said I was, I was on the entertainment division so we did a lot of film stuff and randomly I was working on a DVD release when there was DVDs still on Gulliver's Travels it had Jack Black in I think anyway it was set in Bermuda and we were sending two journalists out to mm-hmm. Bermuda it was kind of for some kind of lifestyle travel things to promote the DVD one journalist dropped out and then I came into the office one day my manager said is your passport up to date you're gonna we need you to go to Bermuda with this journalist I was like sure but I went on this trip to Bermuda for five days and it was like with a, with a girl that was probably around the same age as me and we just had the best time that's amazing to Bermuda, and it was a beautiful beautiful place um and somewhere i never would have imagined going so um if you can ever go to bermuda i would recommend it but that was quite fun but i also mentioned obviously with, uh, when i went in-house at wwe i was quite daunted before i went because i didn't really know what to expect but that involved traveling as well so i think actually a lot of my um highlights are really around traveling but i got to travel around europe going on kind of the press tours and the i'd have like one one wrestler that i'd be taking around to like france germany for interviews and things to promote the tours and so that was just incredible because it was you know it was going into these big live arenas with like hundreds of I didn't realise you know the fan base is insane they're the biggest biggest entertainment brand after Disney but that was a, a career highlight and I guess just read like working at Comet Relief I was incredibly lucky to be able to travel across Africa and just get to um, visit some of the projects that obviously the, that we helped that weren't really funded and that was obviously really humbling and just to see the amazing work of like projects and things that are based out there that are really empowering people kind of giving them a not a handout but a leg up is what we always used to say so to kind of start their own businesses or, or you know live live life differently out there so that was amazing but my final one is now is really just kind of every day doing my coaching is just being able to see these women who are kind of lacking that confidence or self-doubt or or feeling lost and then just being part of that transformational journey they go on is amazing and it just I wish I'd done it sooner I wish I'd had someone like that when I was feeling a bit like it so I think that for me now is a big is yeah the biggest highlight the most recent highlight I guess sorry I told you there was going to be a couple <laughs> there's probably more but there was the launch of Red Nose Day in 2017 so for me I had the responsibility of of launching the whole campaign to media so that was you know making sure everything was lined up in terms of interviews but also having kind of having a general theme behind it and the whole thing was about putting red noses back at the heart of the campaign and I don't know how no one had ever come up with it before but I came up with the idea of I was like why have we never like created versions of the red nose of people so I got the designers to create a red nose of Richard Curtis he's the founder of Red Nose Day and he does like he's done all the Love Actually films and stuff so we got one made of him got one made of like Holly and Phil from this morning and it was it was really really popular I got made like um, some of the like entertainment editors of the newspapers and things to obviously get the press coverage but I remember the morning it all launched and I was in the office of the head of our kind of department and she said and she was quite scary and she said best launch they'd had for years and for me like I really thrive off recognition (laughs) so it was it was amazing and 
it, I think it was definitely a career highlight because I'd worked so hard on it. And again, obviously with that self-doubt that I was, I had, and I remember being really, really anxious at the time mm-hmm. and for it to come off was, I was just so, so happy. And it also involved like bringing a lot of different teams together and everyone working together on kind of one, with one common goal. So that for me was, um, it was really amazing. Okay, so what would you say has been one of the most challenging parts of your career and how did you overcome those challenges? I guess that, like I've said, I've said it a few times now, but that self-doubt and some of it stemmed from, so as I said before, you know, I'm from a working class background. I don't have a really strong accent compared to where some of my friends and family, but when I, and it probably has changed since I've been in London, but someone once said to me, I was on the phone and uh, I must've been speaking to a journalist or something. I got off the phone and she said, um, you really don't speak properly. And as in, because of my accent, I mean, I don't have, I don't feel like I've got a strong accent. It was obviously different from hers. And I really, it, I didn't realise the time how much that knocked me for a really long time and it I I think I had a lot of kind of working class inferiority and it's that stemmed from me as well because I felt like maybe I was looked upon differently because I didn't have some of the experiences that some other people had had in the agency like and so they their parents have been able to you know pay for their accommodation in London and stuff and I was like scraping by on you know really a junior salary eating like scrambled eggs and crackers for dinner and it was you know I mean I, I enjoyed scrambled eggs and crackers but you know I was scraping by and I think that was I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder potentially in some ways but also when I could see that I potentially was looked at differently when she mentioned the fact of me um talking differently it I think that was the start of my confidence really being not because before I came to London I was really confident quite you know probably a little bit bullshy and I was happy and then I think when I came to London I it, it, that was where things changed and my confidence did not was, was not so that was probably one of the challenge, most challenging times and it just carried on for quite a long time and, and really led to that kind of lack of self-belief and I, I think I went quite inward in some ways and what really helped and it's something that I kind of get my clients to do but it not in not so much a way I read a book and again I'm going to forget the name and you might have read it but it involved kind of a visualization exercise it was meeting yourself in 20 years time so I do something a bit differently when I'm coaching I do something where you're looking at yourself in three to six months time because I think that's much more you can grow to that person in three to six months time you're thinking about 20 years time that's a long way away but the exercise is around looking at yourself you're meeting yourself in 20 years time I remember doing it I was lying in the garden it was a really hot summer's day and I, I listened you could listen to it or you could read it so I listened to it closed my eyes did it met my future self and it it was one of the most emotional things I have ever done. Like I was crying my eyes out. And they, as part of it, it says that the person that your future you says to you like a certain certain words, gives you a gift. And I can't fully remember what my future self said, but I remember it was around like be calm and love yourself or something like those lines. And it really made me think I am wasting so much of my time having self-doubt, you know, not putting myself out there, feeling unconfident. I'm wasting all that time. I don't want to look back in 20 years time and regret not going for things or for feeling that self doubt I want to look back and think you know what I tried I wasn't always great at doing certain things and that again it was part of kind of that big shift for me and I think it is a really really powerful exercise it did make me think yeah I, I you know I don't want to look back when I'm 40 50 years old and think god I wasted so much time feeling anxious feeling sad and stuff so yeah I always think something my friend said to me a couple of months ago was picture your future self and show up as her start showing up as her like every single day like the lifestyle you want start doing that now and I was like yeah I think it's similar it's just that visualization isn't it it's so it's so mm. powerful yes and it's funny what you say you should say about your accent because I've had similar I had anybody who listens to this who I went to school with would not recognize my voice if they didn't know it was me like I my accent has <laughs> totally changed so I grew up in Lancashire mm-hmm. and had a really broad Lancashire accent 
And now people always say to me, where are you from? I can't place your accent. And I didn't have that where somebody said to me, oh my God, like, what's your accent? It was more of a subconscious thing because my first job, my buddy was privately educated. And again, he was clearly from a much more wealthy background Mm -hmm. than I was. And she was the first person I met. And I was like, oh my good God, I don't belong here. And it's only like when you look back at it and you're like, no, like there was nothing wrong with the way I spoke. It was where I'm from. And I'm proud to be from where I'm from. But yeah, now I don't sound anything like like any of my school friends or my family. If that ever happens to anybody now, I would just say, like, A, if you can tell them to fuck off, tell them to fuck off. Yeah. But <laughs> if you, like, obviously you've already managed yet, but just be like, what, what, what is to speak properly? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. I really love a northern accent. I think it's so endearing. It's so warming. It's homely. Um, yeah, well, actually, even now, so my friend, so I do, um, like, little afternoon pep talks on my Instagram um, just to kind of motivate people throughout the day, throughout the week, sorry. Um, I saw my friend the other day, and she's like, oh, I do watch your videos, and you just don't sound like you. And I'm like, and I'm really conscious of it. So then I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing when I go on there. I'm trying to talk like me, but somehow my voice, my voice comes out differently. And I did, I really consciously, after she said it the other day, she was like, I don't want to make you feel bad. But it's funny, like, you don't sound like you when you're having a normal conversation. So I went on the other day as I was doing one, I really tried to sound like my normal self but then I was second guessing what I normally sound like it's so hard to when you're coming from a different back and also I think mm-hmm. it's in the reverse as well because I, I as like as I said like I think I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder and if people did have kind of a posh accent or I felt like they were from a superior background for instance they are tarred with a certain brush as well and it's really unfair to to think that they to, to hold them in any different kind of mm-hmm. way than as with you as well so I think it is really difficult but I would yeah say have a conversation with that person and just let them know that that's not really the right thing to say and that's not something that's going to be good to say for people in the future it's really going to knock people's confidence Mm -hmm, definitely I hope you don't mind Kirsty I'm going to go a little bit off script here (laughs) I'm I'm nervous Um, what are you going to (laughs) say No, it's just going back on, I know we've we've spoken a lot about self-doubt already. And obviously it's quite a common thing that a lot of women struggle with. I know you mentioned that visualisation technique is something that really worked for you and really helped you kind of get past that self-doubt struggle. But is there any other advice or things that have worked for you that that have helped you get past that? I think deep down it's it's knowing like I said earlier that everyone's in the same boat when it comes, not everyone's as confident as what you think they are. One of the things that I use with my clients when they're kind of like tackling kind of confidence and self-doubt is to really look at a time when, when you're feeling the most confident okay so there'll be times when you feel that there's something you're really good at that you feel really confident at and I always say to them if you're in a moment where you're kind of lacking that confidence or you're lacking that self-doubt go to that time when you're feeling the most confident so it could be that you're, you know you're, you could be really good at public speaking and that's what you really enjoy not for a lot of people I guess and so you it's really thinking about when you get that feeling in you that feeling of that confidence it's putting yourself in that place again and that's just a quick tip that you can do in the moment but I think trying to think about those times when you feel the most confident and acting like you're in that moment there it's quite it's another kind of visualization and putting yourself there but when self-doubt creeps in it's also about knowing that you do know your shit like and you are learning and you can say sometimes if you're a little bit unsure I think a lot of us when we've got self-doubt we end up going really inward and we're too scared to say that we don't know what to do and it was only towards when I actually recently was at Macmillan Cancer Support I was doing a contract for them there and I thought actually you can actually say I don't know how to do this or I'm a bit unsure about this otherwise you spend so long at work sometimes going around in circles thinking I have absolutely no idea how to do this and then you get more and more scared and you get more and more anxious and you get more self-doubt when you could just be like I actually don't know how fully to do this and I find that if someone says that now I'm like fair play to them mm-hmm. and that takes some balls to say it and you know to own up and say that you're not sure so when self-doubt creeps in be honest I'd maybe say that if it's 
them to do with work and ask for advice, ask for support. But secondly, go into the zone of when you do feel the most confident and kind of channel that. Because when you've got your shoulders back and you're feeling really good in that moment, channel that and use that when you've got that self-doubt. It's just a couple of tips. I think as well, like like you said, I think you, you always know more than you think you know. And one thing that I found really helped when I was in mm. one of my jobs is to almost volunteer to mentor or like be somebody else's body if there's a newer member of the team or a newer member of the, in the office and almost teach them the ropes because when you start teaching in bunny quotes somebody else you realize you actually do know more than you than you think you know it does make you feel good oh actually another one just that i've just thought of and i always say this to clients or even to friends and it's i think a lot of people have heard it before but it's have a folder either on your computer or in your emails and save off every bit of good feedback you ever get for anything honestly when you're having a crap day and you're not feeling very good and you're lacking that confidence going into that folder and seeing when you did do a report potentially or something a project that you were quite nervous about originally and someone gave you some good feedback you're Mm -hmm. like oh my god I can do it because I did it that time before so that's such a a nice thing to do I know it's remembering to do it all the time but when you've got it there it's so it's such a nice thing to give you that boost when you need it yeah definitely it was one of the first pieces of advice my mum gave me when I started work and she she said that to me for when you have like personal development reviews she was like but all through the year just save any email that says you've done a great job or thank you but actually it does it does like a dual job like not only does it make your end of year review much easier because you've got all the evidence there but yeah when you do need a confidence boost you can't just flick through okay so as we go into the new year and kind of given everything that's happened in the last year as well do you have any practical advice to sort of help us get motivated and work towards achieving our goals whether they're either work related or personal yeah well firstly I would say be kind to yourself and don't put a lot of pressure on yourself and I know sometimes that can be an opposite an opposite way of looking at it when you want to really achieve some big goals but you know 2020 was a year like no other and I know that we're now going to put a lot of pressure on 2021 being the best year and it can still be this can be your year it can be everything that you want it to be but I just say at the start of the year just try not to put so much pressure on yourself we're still in it we're still going through a weird time nothing's back to normal you are under a lot more stress even though you don't realize it so I would, that would just, uh, firstly say just be kind to yourself and start the, the, the year off wanting to feel good about yourself and not feeling pressured I think there's a lot out there at the start of the year that's all around new year new me and you know this life-changing thing and you know you can do xyz and you're gonna feel amazing and I think it's really about and I always say this it's like re- what really matters to you what are you going to feel really proud of and not kind of listening to those people that are, are saying that you're going to change your life and stuff I think it's really important to to start small so what I would say if you do have some time to reflect on 2020 I think that's really really important because yes you might not have been able to achieve all the things that you set out to achieve but you have grown and you might not have realized it but you have grown like we have gone through some shit people more than others you know and people will react to 2020 in different ways you know I know some people that 2020 has been an amazing year for them but I would take some time as, as soon as you can to really reflect on 2020 because I want you want to take from it what you've learned and really kind of give yourself that pat on the back to say I did actually achieve some stuff and that will again then help motivate you into 2021 so just sit down take a notepad and pen and just reflect on you know what how have I grown in the past you know how did I grow in 2020 how did I grow in the past year what lessons did I learn you know what am I most proud of and if being most proud of is just baking a a loaf of sourdough absolutely fine you know it's those things that made you feel things that you would not have expected either I, I did this I put some questions out to my my newsletter at the end of the year to say just take that time and actually think about the things that you you were unexpected that were actually quite good in the end so you know there are some really good things that have come out of 2020 I know for instance myself I'm more resilient I have learned to kind of move 
and change things as I need yeah. to because things fell off. You know, I had a lot of things lined up before pandemic and then that all fell through and it was a bit of a scary time. But I realised, okay, again, it's not the end of the world. I've grown, I've changed. So I'd do that first because that is going to motivate you mm-hmm. at the start of the year. And then what I would do is just ask yourself your question. What is my future self going to be proud of? But I wouldn't go, don't, I wouldn't say, think about, you know, to the end of the year. What I always say is do it in small chunks. So what's success looked like to you? What are you going to be proud yeah. of in three months time? And I think that is much easier to see kind of progress. You'll know you might have a big goal for the end of the year, but let's look at those first three months. I think that's more important because that's what's going to keep you motivated. When you set goals that are too far in, in advance or to, seem too far away and they're a bit big and scary, you're much, much more likely to lose motivation for those. So what I would say is think about yourself in three months time. Think about that the exact day, three months from today, and then visualize. Again, we're talking about visualization, but think about what does that day look like? How am I feeling? What's kind of made me feel more confident over the past three months? How does that, like, how does my day look? You know, what am I wearing? Who am I with on that day? Really put yourself in that place in three months time. So it'll be like March, end of March or something and work back from that. So getting to that day and work back. Okay. What are the kind of big steps that I want to take or, or would have taken to get to that point and then really chunk it down. So I always say start small, mm-hmm. just doing small things are the things that are going to motivate you because when we, what motivation really is, is actually doing something because once you've done something you feel pretty good you're like I've ticked that off my list I'm going to do the next thing and the next thing if the things are too big you're more they're more daunting to do you're more you're less likely to do them so I if there's a big thing it's like, okay how do I really chunk that down into something that's really manageable that's going to motivate me and start there so that's what I would say initially for the start of the year yeah I like that and sometimes as well if, if you set something like you say too big or too far away you just put it off and you 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 never get started exactly mm-hmm. and I think yeah, it's always trying to think about and this is something that I spoke about in a a motivation masterclass recently it's what do you really want to experience what do you want to feel what do you want to see it's really having that in your head because that's much more easy if you've just set yourself a a really kind of a goal that it's thinking about okay well what does it really mean to me or if it's something to do with work you know I want to get a promotion but what does that promotion really mean for you does it mean you're going to get that extra bit of salary that will be able to go on a nice holiday this year if if we're allowed or does it mean that you're moving up in that kind of career trajectory that you wanted it's thinking about how is that promotion going to make what's the experience what am I going to feel what am I going to see because that's much more motivating and that is what is going to drive you because it's what really matters to you Does that makes sense yeah completely so we know that we know already that creating positive habits is really key to staying motivated and working towards those goals we've just spoken about so do you have any advice as to where to start with creating some of those mm-hmm. positive habits and what that might look like yeah I would say and I, I would say to start with this and I know um Sophie and Emma actually were on a uh, my motivation masterclass that I did um at the end of 2020 but I'm going to talk about the miracle morning which I know I kind of hammered home a little bit but it's um <laughs> <laughs> the miracle morning is amazing I would what I would say is try this for a week because you can set yourself goals you can be striving towards some things to, to do certain things but if you haven't started your day or if you're not set in a positive mindset it's much harder to feel motivated and to feel driven to achieve your goals and so the miracle morning is by a guy called Hal Elrod and it's like millions of people swear by it and it's just making this a version that works for you so I would really recommend trying this for a week I'll quickly take you through it so it's basically about it 
it can the way that you start your morning can dramatically affect your mood your success especially in goal setting how you're going to get on at work and stuff so the miracle morning life savers so it's s-a-v-e-r-s they all stand for a different thing to do in the morning so when you wake up number one is silence so if you can not always possible but try and have five minutes of silence and that's purposeful silence so it can be meditation if you're into that i'm not great at meditating i try but my head is always just firing off with too many things in it or it could be five minutes of just writing a gratitude list because when you're starting off feeling grateful for more things the more likely you are to kind of bring in more things or just deep breathing so that's kind of five minutes of silence after that affirmations i know you gals love an affirmation but get an affirmation that's really going to motivate you in the morning and just say that to yourself in the mirror so basically when you're doing that you're kind of regularly programming yourself to feel more confident and kind of in control of everything that you're doing so to set an affirmation it's just say a couple of lines like what you really want why you want it and then actions you're committed to take and it's all in the present tense and just say that out loud in the mirror so you've had your silence you've got your affirmation so you're feeling quite prepped for the day and then visualization so i know i've spoken about visualization quite a lot but it is so powerful so if you've got that day ahead of you and you've got a presentation that you've got a lead and you're like oh a bit nervous about it visualizing that your day going really well so visualize like getting yourself ready for that for that presentation absolutely smashing the presentation feeling really good afterwards putting yourself in that place it's much more likely that you'll go into that doing the presentation later on in a much more positive mindset and so less like things might go wrong but just visualizing your day and seeing it go really well um is much likely to you kind of achieving those positive outcomes so you've got silence affirmations visualization next exercise i know not everyone has time for exercise but i'm a massive massive advocate for exercise for mental health just to make you feel good your put your well-being that could mean going for a half an hour run it could mean doing 50 star jumps just something that's going to get your blood pumping is going to start you off feeling really good for the day and then reading again really random thing to do in the morning but if you've got a book by the side of your bed or you know why you're eating your breakfast that you can read i would just read like a page out of it and it's really choosing a book whether it's you know like a biography of someone that you really admire or um kind of a self-help book or anything that's going to get you to kind of put you in a good mindset for the day that you're going to learn from is, is a really really great start to the day and also kind of gets you through a book hopefully quickly and the last one s is scribing so which basically is writing but it's just sa- savers sounds better writing so that could just be journaling basically you know what areas of opportunity have you got coming up what lessons did you learn yesterday how how are you getting to how how close are you getting to your goals you know what's going on in your life whatever you find helpful and it's something you can keep looking back to so basically millions of people swear by this and it if you just do it for a week and see how it works you are going to put yourself in a much more kind of motivated and positive mm-hmm. mindset and so there are little habits that you can start to do there are other ways we can talk about habits but i just thought this was probably a little bit of a, a nice kind of tool for you to use in january and just see how you get it on and mold it and change it to what works for you i would 100 percent recommend it it is life-changing even though most things that people say in january are, they're going to be life-changing this one actually is and it's not mine <laughs> it's from this guy hal elrod no that was that was really helpful i actually love that book we spoke about it in our last episode i think yeah i've not read it yet but i've heard such good uh, literally so many people say yeah they swear by it and like you say genuinely has, has changed their life but i guess uh, also if we're talking about habits very quickly which might be helpful is just start small with a mini habit like so similar to that you're starting doing things that are quite small but there's another guy called Stephen guys and he talks about if you set yourself kind of mini habits if you ever think about the way i think about it is you know people did the like press-up challenge and they not that i, I never did the press-up challenge i think i did the squat challenge a few years ago but you start with like one push-up and the yeah. next day you do two push-ups and it's because you're doing one so you feel good and it's too small to fail it's like a really small habit that you started the next day you do two so you're like oh it's only two and it builds up and that that is they say that that's a really really 
really good way for you to start forming habits. So it takes, I think it's 21 days to form a habit and around three months for it to become a real thing. So if you just start doing something really small, so if you want to be a writer or, or you want to mm-hmm. get better at your writing, start writing 50 words a day for a short amount of time and see yeah. that build up because that mini habit is much more achievable and attainable than it is to say, I'm going to write a chapter a week. And it's that to seem so unattainable, you won't start start doing it. You might do it for a bit in January Mm -hmm. and then it will fall off in February. So that's another good way. And we're talking about habits to start doing things like that. Yeah, because I guess one of the sort of biggest struggles that people find with this is motivating themselves to do it and actually make the time for it. And really, it's what is it about Mm -hmm. half an hour of your day, half an hour to an hour of your morning. But like you said, once you once you start doing it, even if it's just for a week and kind of monitor how you feel at the start of the week compared to how you feel at the end of the week, you should hopefully (laughs) see a real difference. And that will that will motivate you to keep going but yeah I guess half the struggle is just finding the time to be like right I'm gonna get up early and do exactly. this exactly yeah and that is about you know it is having that bit of self-discipline yeah. but once you've done it for a little bit and also because you know with with the way that Hal talks about it is you know 30 minutes of exercise people just don't have the time so if you're you know you do one mm. you know two minutes of silence you do 10 minutes of exercise it's making it work for you but that is still going to put you in that good frame of mind and I am um, I always talk about having like little, little pockets of time so if you can do quick wins that's why when we're talking about kind of goals and everything and breaking things down into things that are a lot smaller trying to think about what can I do in 15 minutes in my day that's going to get me closer to my goal because sometimes when we're yeah. thinking about oh god I've got to do all these things it seems there's just too much I actually feel like I've got 15 minutes set aside each day which is nothing but that could be firing mm-hmm. off 10 emails to some some people to do with work to do with your career so I would always have a look for those kind of pockets of time because I think that they're, they're really really useful and you can if you've set yourself that 15 minutes you will get out what you want to because you feel like you're a bit of a time pressure I love how at the beginning you said purposeful silence and not just do what I do and roll over in bed when you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the final question now and one that we always like to finish our interviews on. It's a bit of fun. So if you could do any job in the world, what would it be? I find this so hard, you know, because there's so many jobs that you just don't even think of because they're not a, normal, a job that would ever come up. But I would say, I'm going to be really, bo- not a boring one, but like an actor or TV presenter only because, so basically, I keep, I've said this since I was younger. So I, when I was like three, four, five years old, I, I used to model. I wasn't like a good looking child. I don't know why. I think I had big curly hair. And so they liked that. But I'm like, my parents used to drive me down to London. I was like, I was second to be in like a Colgate advert. And I was second to be in a Dulux paint advert. So this is like the 80s. And my dad, mum and dad stopped. They were like, oh, we can't keep bringing it down to London all the time. So I now look back and I'm like, what I could have been if I had got in those adverts and I'd carried on from like a child star <laughs> to today. <laughs> like what the difference could my life could have been but no I just always think like oh that would be really good but I always I loved drama I loved I think for me I love the emotional side of things it's not about I would never want to be famous absolutely not I think it'd be horrendous but like just mm-hmm. being able to act out because I'm quite an emotional emotive, emotive person being able to channel all of that energy into something but I love what I'm doing now with my coaching which sounds really cheesy but I do um I do really love it I love that. I've always wanted to be, because I've always loved dancing and stuff and I love musicals. So if I could sing or act, I'd love to be on the, like, on stage somewhere. Like, dancing is the only bit I can, can do. Can you not sing or act? God, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, mom, my mom always used to say to me, she went, everybody can sing, Soph, but not everybody can sing well. And she was like, you are definitely mm-hmm. part of the latter. And I was like, <laughs> crushing <Yeah>. my dreams. <laughs> well, at least she was honest. She wasn't one of those um, mums that send their kids on the X Factor when they definitely can't sing. <laughs> 
Fab. Well, one thing I always like to do at the the end of our interviews is just go over some of the, the key things we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got some really practical tips here that we've discussed. So I thought it'd be nice to just highlight a few of them. Although I say a few and I've got a couple of paragraphs here, so you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Kirsty, feel free to add anything at the end um, if you think there's anything I've missed and you just want to, to highlight it again. So first point is how we spoke about experience being key. Um, and don't see it as a career ladder, see it as a jungle gym. Um, I really like how you mentioned about reflecting on your career highlights regularly so you can just remember and recognise your achievements. And then just talking a little bit about self-doubt. So first of all, just remember that not everyone is confident, even though it might appear that way. And I really like how you spoke about looking at a time when you felt confident. And if you're in a moment where you're sort of lacking that, try and go back to that confident Mm -hmm. place again. Remember that you do know your shit, you are learning, and don't be afraid to say if you're unsure about something or have any questions. So overall, three key things be honest go into the zone when you do feel confident and channel that i really like the point about having a folder and saving all of your good feedback to refer back to when you're not feeling confident so it's just something if you're not having a great day you can always go back to that and remember oh yeah i can do that and also it's great for any reviews that you're doing at work and then just going a bit into advice as we head into 2021 so remembering just to be Mm -hmm. kind to yourself and don't put too much pressure onto yourself think about what matters to you and what you'll be proud of start small and kind of reflect on 2020 obviously you will have grown so think about what you've learned how have I grown what am I most proud of and what is my future self going to be proud of and then I think the important thing here is sort of splitting that down into smaller months so start with three months visualize what that looks like and what steps will feed into that and what do you want to experience feel and see there's a lot of questions there so (laughs) a lot of things to take away and then I guess the final point is just talking about the miracle morning by Hal Elrod and the sort of six habits to start your morning so silence affirmations visualization exercise reading and scribing i think that pretty much summarizes it (laughs) yeah i mean yeah we've covered quite a lot we have but no i think there's some really helpful tips there um that our listeners will love so thank you so much kirsty yeah no thank you so much kirsty for giving us your time it's been lovely to chat with you good oh i'm so glad it's helpful thank you so much and like good luck with everything it's like it's it's amazing what you guys have done so far you should be really proud oh thank you that is it for this week thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to hit the subscribe button now so that you never miss a show if you do have any career-based questions quandaries or predicaments that you'd like us to answer you can drop us an email at hello at girlsinwork.com this podcast is made possible by listeners like you so thank you for your support next time on the girls in work podcast I like to think of myself as helping people to use their strengths to become exceptional leaders. I love this. I'm already sold. So um, a lot of our audience are people managers and leaders or aspiring leaders. So as a coach, do you have any advice for women leaders on how best to show up for their teams? Yes. uh, Work with the coach. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what a leader should be doing, right? Is unlocking and lighting up the strengths in other people so that they can, you know, work together and achieve something. Is there any advice you'd give to someone who's thinking about or or feeling nervous about making a career change see a coach (laughs) (laughs) this is girls in work find us at girlsinwork.com see you next time on the girls in work podcast